As you know, we have been going through the Psalms. We're in this little mini-series on the Psalms called The Lyrics of Knowing God. Last week, I introduced this to Psalm 25 and told you it would have two parts. And so this morning, we come to hear it again and to look a little bit deeper into this word. I did ask you uh, to do something last week, assignment, if you were here, and that was to go back through and read Psalm 25 and ask the question, where is Jesus in this psalm? And Jesus is in the Psalms. Jesus is in all of Scripture. And as you ask the Holy Spirit to move, He will illuminate your hearts and minds to see things about Christ that are very profound. We'll see that again today. So as I read the passage, all 22 verses, listen again for the condition of David's soul. How did he describe himself? Secondly, listen to the request that David is making of God. Also, why David is saying, I trust you. And then lastly, look for Jesus. Where is he? Let's stand for the reading of God's word. Psalm 25. David writes, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. Let me not be put to shame. Let not my enemies exalt over Indeed, none who wait for you shall be put to shame. They shall be ashamed who are wantonly treacherous. Make me to know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are the God of my salvation. For you I wait all the day long. Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Not the sins of my youth or my transgressions, According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord, therefore he instructs sinners in the way. He leads the humble in what is right and teaches the humble his way. All the paths of the Lord are steadfast love and faithfulness for those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my guilt, for it is great." Who is the man who fears the Lord? Instruct in the way that he should choose. His soul shall abide in well-being, and his offspring shall inherit the land. The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear him, and he makes known to them his covenant. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. Turn to me and be gracious to me, for I am lonely and the troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distresses. Consider my affliction and my trouble and forgive all my sins. Consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. O oh, guard my soul and deliver me. Let me not be put to shame for I take refuge in you. May integrity and uprightness preserve me for I wait for you. Redeem Israel, O God, out of all his troubles. This of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Lord, it is your word, and it is true. It is sharper than a double-edged sword. There's nothing like it. Holy Spirit, would you move now in every heart and mind, illuminating these words, teaching us, leading us, 
mostly, Lord, enabling us to trust than when we came in. Open us up, God, to this, your word, and do that great and mighty work of rescue. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Mother's Day is a joyous day. And you've already sensed the way in which we thank the Lord for mothers and grandmothers. It's also a tender day, though. For some, it's the first Mother's Day without their mother. And for others, it's the first Mother's Day without a child. They've lost a child. Some not that long ago, some a long time ago, yet it's still a reminder once again of the pain of loss. Some are here today longing to hear the word mother, but they can't seem to conceive, and that's painful. Others have relationships with their children or children with their tangled and difficult, and that hurts. Some children have walked away from the faith and even maybe from the family and it hurts. And we don't want to pretend that that pain isn't real. But what a comfort we have, even in the, the beautiful anthem of the choir, that he will not leave us comfortless. He will draw near. He is drawing near right now. He draws near us in this place when we come together as the body of Christ he draws near to us through his word and scripture. No matter what your position is in life, no matter where you're coming from or where you're going, no matter your age or stage, you can relate to these words that God has given us in the Psalms. You can relate to David. David has described in this last week, and I want to review very quickly. He describes his soul nine ways. Listen as, as I recap and really listen. I'm going to go very fast here. David is in conflict with his enemies. He is searching for the right path. He is waiting. How many times did he mention that? He has been humbled. He is guilty because of his sin. He has been trapped and he's stuck and unable to get loose. He is in distress. He has a troubled heart. He is lonely and afflicted. That's how David describes his soul. And every Sunday that we enter into this place, in fact, every day we wake up, somewhere in us, we relate to this. That's just the world we live in, the side of heaven. But along with the condition of his soul, there are about nine things David says about himself. He then offers around 19 different requests to God in these 22 verses. I'm not gonna go over that list again, but I encourage you to. David, because he knows the condition of his soul, this is what I need. This is what I ask. David then goes on to reveal why he believes God is trustworthy, why God is the one in whom he trusts. This is a psalm of trust. David says, to you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. O my God, in you I trust. So in a word, it is a psalm of trust. And the reason he trusts God, again, very, very intensely, because I'm going to go quick, is because David describes God this way, that none who wait on the Lord will be put to shame. He is the God of salvation. He is good and upright. He instructs sinners. He leads and he teaches. 
All his paths are love and faithfulness. He offers friendship. Think about your best friendship. It's not perfect. God, the framer of the universe, the one who upholds the world, the whole universe, all of his creation in his hands offers you and me friendship. And he sets us free from the trap. So where is Jesus? You are not required to have a seminary education or to go through extreme intellectual level to see the beauty of Jesus Christ in all of God's word. By asking God himself, the Holy Spirit, to illuminate your heart and mind, you can see where Jesus is in these words. For example, I'm going to mention 16. Lean in. I'm going to go fast. First of all, David says, To you, O Lord, I lift up my soul. That's Jesus. Jesus is God. Jesus is present, though David doesn't Though he won, is hoping in the, the promise of a coming Messiah, as he prays, he's praying to the Trinity. David says he was put to shame. He's afraid of being in shame. Well, Jesus took on our shame. Jesus is seen in this psalm when David cries out, please don't let my enemies exalt over me. Jesus' enemies exalted over him. David goes on to describe that he's having with these people who hate him. And as he describes their hatred, he is describing his enemies. Christ Jesus was hated. He was hated by all of us. The crowd that said, Hosanna, Hosanna on that Palm Sunday, then switched and cried out, crucify him, crucify him. In this beautiful, speaks about the way in which the Lord leads and teaches. And that's what Jesus does. He was the Messiah. He points them to the path, but this is important. Is David seeking the right path? Jesus is not just giving direction to the right path. Jesus is the path. Jesus is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Verse 5, David talks about God's salvation. Well, Jesus is God, and Jesus is our salvation. Because of Jesus' perfect life, integrity and uprightness, his perfection, he forgives our sins. David talks about being humbled. No one was humbled like Christ. And no one was humble like Christ. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, in verse 14, David speaks about God offering friendship. And that is why we sing, what a friend for sinners. David speaks about the covenant Jesus is the new covenant, the one who fulfills all the covenants. David speaks about his condition of a foot that's stuck in a net. He was trapped, asking God to set him free. 
Jesus was trapped. Jesus was stuck. And it was on the cross. David says, and we relate to this so well, I'm lonely and afflicted. No one experienced loneliness like Jesus. No one experienced affliction like Christ. His disciples fell asleep. And then when they were awake, they said, I don't know him. They all fled. David says in verse 17, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. Bring me out of my distress. You relate to that, don't you? I do. Jesus's heart burst because he took on the sin of the world and the Father's perfect wrath. He died of a broken heart. David says, as he prays, that he would take refuge in God. Well, Jesus is our refuge. David prays, guard my soul and deliver me. Jesus is the protector and guarder of our soul, as is the Holy Spirit. Jesus is the one who delivers us. The last thing I can see in this, as it relates to Jesus, is David says, may integrity and uprightness for you. Jesus is integrity. Jesus is uprightness. This is an amazing picture of our Savior. Pictured in this beautiful psalm as David describes the condition of his soul, as he then requests 19 things at least of God, and then says, this is why you're worthy of my trust. And all of these are fulfilled perfectly in our Savior Jesus. David's looking forward of looking back, we get to see what Jesus fulfilled in all this while we still wait, as David was waiting, for Christ to return or to call us home. Now I want to focus our time for a few more minutes in the final verses of Psalm 25, and I want to start at verse 16, after, or verse 15. After David had described the friendship of the Lord, he then says this, Verse 15, my eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet in that. I love this verse. I want you to picture it. David is in trouble, and he was in trouble a lot of his life. He was stuck. There are reasons why he was stuck. Today we celebrate Mother's Day. Mothers, as a father, Married to this incredible woman who is an amazing mother to me, to, to the way she loved her children. I stand in awe of the calling that God's placed. We do it together. Not just the husband and wife, a father and a mother, but also a body. We take that vow very seriously that we need each other. Why? Because kids get stuck. They make messes. And your job pretty much from the moment you wake up is to begin to untangle, to pull out, to remove, to correct, letting them go, knowing good and well that they're about to do the same thing over and over and over again. 
You know, they call you this most wonderful word, mom. And as young parents, as soon as that child looks as if they're able to start, start speaking, the father and the mother, sometimes silently or quietly or in secret, try to get the child to say their name first. <laughs> mom, 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 dad, dada. I lost except one. And that was actually a tie. Our first child didn't say mom or dad first. She said yellow. It was really clear, I promise. Mom, you want to hear it. And then when you do, you celebrate. But it's not too long, ladies, after that, when you get so tired of hearing that word. Mom, 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 mom. You know it, right? Dad gets it once in a while. It's mom all the time. You know why they do that? Because they need you. They really do. You may not feel like it's a need, but to them it is. And they're crying out to the one that can help solve whatever problem they're in. When they're little, it's tangled hair. And you comb it out. But soon it's tangled relationships. And they need your presence even more. For a while, it's your child being stuck on a math problem. But later, it's they're stuck in a mood. All through our life, as moms and dads, as brothers and sisters, as aunts, as uncles, as grandparents, as members of a church, we are helping one another help others when they have a foot that's been caught in a trap and a net. And that's the condition of our life. And here's why it's true. The very first mother, the very first earthly father, fell deep in a trap that has impacted humanity from the beginning. The trap was the enemy asking a question. It's the first question in the Bible. Satan says to the first mother, did God really say? She described then in Genesis 3 what God said, but then something moving in her convinced her that this was a good decision. And she took the fruit she was told not to eat. She gave some to her husband. He took the fruit. They both ate. They were trapped into sin. And when they fell into sin, all mankind would be imputed with that first Adam's sin. And what that means is that we live in a world where we experience the realities of being trapped, of being stuck. David speaks about it. In verse 15, David says, My eyes are ever upward to the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. What is the net? In David's life, see that there, was, there were nets, I'm going to use the plural word, that were brought on by external realities. The external realities were other people, other kings, other nations, coming against David in sin. They were moving against David externally. And often he found himself hiding from those who truly wanted to take his life. Saul wanted his life. Other kings, soldiers, they wanted David dead. People in his own family wanted him dead. These external pressures of sinful man were coming against him. Those weren't necessarily David's fault, but they put him in a position where his soul was deeply shaken because his foot was trapped. 
He could not deliver himself from those external enemies. But David, as beautifully as he describes his enemies, verse 19, consider how many are my foes and with what violent hatred they hate me. The external enemies were not his only enemy. It was also his own self. It was the internal reality of his own choices to sin against God. That's why in this beautiful psalm, David asked for God not to remember his sin or his transgressions. In verse 18, he says, Consider my affliction and forgive all my sins. Like David, this side of heaven, we experience the external reality of sin coming against us. It comes in the form of other people and their sin coming against us. It comes in the form of disease and natural disasters, all part of this broken world. And it affects us. We find ourselves trapped and stuck. You hear it in our prayers Sunday. As loved ones lose loved ones. As dear ones battle illnesses that they didn't see coming and don't know what to do. It's hard. That's the external. It's coming at us. But the truth is there's also the internal. There's also the reality that it's not just what's out there that's coming against me in all of that sin. It is also me. It is my choice to not abide in Jesus, to not follow the things that the Lord has said, to simply, like Eve, ignore the fact that God's word did say this and this and this. And we get trapped. Some people don't like to go back to Adam and Eve for a lot of reasons. Sometimes people think they wouldn't have made the same choice. If I was there, I wouldn't have done that. That's what they say. Okay, just try. Just try. From this moment forward to sin no more to not have one corrupt thought, one judgmental attitude, one selfish impulse, you know you can't. Because the reality is that evil, that sin, that was imputed to all of us. And that's why the word of God says, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way and the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity of us all. One loves God, no, not one until we're found in Christ. That's what the word of God says. So David gives us in this beautiful Psalm, right near kind of the middle end, the application. The application of this Psalm, beginning with a Psalm of trust, in you, O Lord, I trust, is in verse 15. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. David could not deliver himself from the external and deliver himself from the internal. David knew that the only one who could deliver his foot from the net, the only one that could take him out of the position of being stuck into a different place of protection, of redemption, was the Lord. And if you don't know David's story, 
David, the external was amazing, but the internal commits adultery, has the woman's murdered, all believing he can hide it, even from God. And God intervenes and rescues him. He was in a deep, deep trap. We all are in that same trap until we cry out to the Lord. Our eyes are lifted upward and we see what David saw, that there's one to trust in. There's one divine rescuer. He isn't the one who just points us to the path. He himself is the path. How would you describe your soul today? Whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, there's a way to describe it. Do you relate to any of the things that David is singing about? The application is verse 15. My eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he will pluck my feet out of the net. So lastly, how did God do that? And how is God doing that? In order for God to pluck us out of the trap of sin and eternal separation from him, a price had to be paid. And the price was Jesus himself. Jesus came to this earth and he was trapped by the earth that he himself made. Jesus was taken willingly to the cross. And on the cross, he was stuck. And he was held there by those nails which you and I are to blame for. And all men. And as Jesus Christ was held there on the cross, stuck on the cross, he stayed so that you and I would never have to hear the words, I never knew you. He, he stayed there and cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that all who are in Christ would never have to pray that prayer. Jesus Christ stayed there until he died. There until his heart burst. And just before it burst, just before it became so enlarged by the sin of the world and the wrath of the Father, he said, it is finished. And what he meant was that now my people can be set free. I have done what I was called to do. And then his body was taken down, dead, put in the tomb. And then he rose from the dead. What a picture that all who trust in Christ will also be raised from the dead. And there will be a glorious reunion of all who are in Christ, even with resurrected bodies. And there in the presence of our Lord, we will see his eyes. And when we see him, and for all eternity, we will have a gratitude that we have never known. Because we will see the eyes of the one who came and did everything 
to set us free from the trap of sin and death. And all who are in Christ, death will be no more. Hallelujah. If you have never trusted Jesus, may today be the day that you say, I want to be set free. What do you have to do? Just Jesus Christ, forgive me of my sins. Save me. You're his. I believe that that's happening in your life at this moment. He's brought you to this place today. You might hear the good news that leads us to sing. Hallelujah. What a savior. I'm grateful for your patience and listening. And may the Lord use these words, his word, to transform your life and mine. This Will you pray with me? Father in heaven, forgive us when we rush past these beautiful words. If we're already in you, saved by your grace, give us more and more gratitude for the amazing gift of eternal life, for the amazing gift of Jesus. And Holy Father, if there are any in our midst right now who are, are there saying, I need Jesus, welcome their soul, help them to sense your presence, give them the words to pray that they might know they're yours, save them. And Lord, for those wrestling with what they're hearing, keep that persistent agitation present so that they could see that you're loving and kind and merciful that you aren't just one of many paths, you are the path, the way, the truth, the life. And Lord, as we close in singing today, would you keep us present for just a minute? Lift our eyes towards heaven as we listen and sing, anticipating the day where all who are in Christ will see you. We will see you. Give us a longing for that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.